Jamoke Davis here for another episode of Just For Sport. I am finishing up my division predictions with the National League West. Major League Baseball is what we're talking. This is my sixth podcast, if you want to go back and listen. Uh, talking about the AL East, AL Central, AL West, NL East, and NL Central over the course of the last couple of weeks. So this is the last one where I'm going to be talking about a division winner, really breaking down each team, what what has happened with the offseason, my predictions of where they may go as a team, and who will win a division. And this will be the last one. And after that, I'll start talking about World Series and giving my predictions there. But we also have the NCAA tournament coming up. March Madness. Yesterday was Selection Sunday. So I'm going to give my predictions for who I think will be in the Final Four. Some sleepers to reach the Sweet 16 as well. Should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of fun. But first we're going to start with baseball. And the National League West. So the thing is, you know, realistically, trying to figure out who's going to win the World Series. And the reason I bring that up when I said I'm talking about division winner is because the team to beat is the Los Angeles Dodgers. They are at minus 250 to win the division. They are one of only three teams. So 50% of the divisions have a minus in front of the number when it comes to who's going to win a division. The White Sox at minus 130. The Yankees at minus 200. And the Los Angeles Dodgers at minus 250. The Dodgers waited 32 years before they won their next championship. The Playdemic Bubble World Series, if you will. And of course, the, in my mind, the... The reason they won really was Mookie Betts. Mookie, not to say that the other players didn't contribute and weren't great. Clayton Kershaw, Cody Bellinger, the list could go on. But this is more about what was most different from last or the season before last 2019 and that was Mookie Betts they got him from the Boston Red Sox 
He does it all. He's just electric, and I love that slow-mo footage of him running around the bases. He's got that big smile on when he hit a home run or a triple. He's got the chain swinging. Oh, man, that just looks so cool in slow motion. This team may have the deepest roster in Major League Baseball. I don't think they have many holes. If you had to say they had a hole, maybe it's the bench. But this lineup from top to bottom, Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, Max Muncie, Will Smith. That was awesome seeing Will Smith at the plate, Will Smith pitching. That was fun last year in the bubble. A.J. Pollock and Chris Taylor. That's their lineup. Last year, the Dodgers had the best record in Major League, Major League Baseball. The Dodgers and the Tampa Bay Rays were the only teams to win 40 or more games. And the Dodgers had the best record at 43-17. and 17. They ended the season. Their last 10 games of the season, they went 8-2 and two and had the longest winning streak in the National League going into the playoffs. They had won four in a row. Tampa Bay had also won four in a row. And the two teams met in the World Series. The two best teams met in the World Series. And there's a good chance that may happen again. The, it's just, just aren't holes in the rotation they added Trevor Bauer they have Walker Bueller Clayton Kershaw who will start opening day again David Price Julio Urias Urias I always mess it up if I don't if I didn't listen to someone say his name again now my apologies Julio Kenley Jansen to close it out Joe Kelly, my favorite pitcher, especially from last year. I thought he got a raw deal as he was giving the much-needed message to the Astros. Dustin May, Victor Gonzalez, Bruce Dar, Gratterall, I'm messing up his name again, Brandon Morrow, Corey Nebel, and my favorite bullpen pitcher. Used to be a former Nats. Blake Trinan, who is now, uh, he's now one of my favorite pitchers that I root for. When he wasn't pitching well for the Nats, he used to say, if at first you don't succeed, Trinan, Trinan again. I like Blake. I like him. But I also, unfortunately, find it hard to think that any other team in the NL West, or heck, in Major League Baseball, can beat this team. 
The core is intact. They even have an awesome player development system. Ten of the players on the World Series roster were 26 years old or younger. Four rookies were playing prominent roles in the 2020 postseason. I was very happy for Dave Roberts. And it's just you look at this team and you say, how can they lose? I don't know. How can they lose? MLB.com says the Dodgers have a 78% chance of winning the division with a record of 103-59. and If I remember the report correctly, or rather looking at all of the different predictions, the Dodgers are the only team as a reigning world champs as well projected to win over 100 games in 2021. That seems like kind of a a long shot. I think the Yankees could do it too, but okay, okay. All right, next team up, who very well, if they play their best baseball this year, could be the second best team in Major League Baseball, and maybe even at least or especially when they are talking about going head-to-head, if they can beat the Dodgers every time they face them, they may have the best chance of... um, taking over the championship or winning the division is the San Diego Padres. They're aiming to make the playoffs for the first uh, for consecutive te- seasons for the first time since 2006. And in many ways this season it was all about keeping up with the Joneses. That's really what it was about. You know, I mean, it's good that they don't play in the same city or vicinity as like the Angels and Dodgers do. Or like the Cubs and White Sox. But general manager A.J. Preller, I think he made some quality moves. I think he really made some quality moves. And in keeping up with the Joneses, they were swept in the NL Division Series in 2020. But I think they're really... They are maybe the only team in the National League that can really contend with the Dodgers. They finished the season 37-23 and last year. Didn't do well in their last 10, only 5-5, five and five, but they won three in a row to win the season. And that doesn't matter that much, just kind of giving you some backstory of where they were. 
But baseball in San Diego is going to be fun. It's going to be exciting to watch the newly uh, signed Fernando Tatis Jr. with that massive deal for like a million years. Hope that means he's going to retire a Padre. Manny Machado. Oh, that hurt. That hurt when the Orioles let him go. Oh, couldn't take it. I was bummed, but happy for him. I was happy for him. And a player who was a surprise to me, Jake Cronenworth. He was good. He was really good. Who knew? I didn't. But what I do know is when you look at the National League West, the Padres are plus 200 to win the division. And yeah, of course, obviously, they're not the favorite, but it's always a gamble. Even if you pick the Dodgers at minus 250. I could take a flyer on the Padres at plus 200. They added Korean slugger Sung Kim, Blake Snell, and Yu Darvish. I mean, they may not have the top-to-bottom lineup that the Dodgers do. Trent Grisham's leading off. But then you've got Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, Eric Hosmer... He has a lively bat, so to speak. Tommy Pham, if he can stay healthy. Will Myers, Jake Cronenworth, as I mentioned, and Austin Nola. So no, that lineup is not as good as the Dodgers. But their pitching staff, it's pretty good. You Darvish. Blake Snell, Denilson, Lamette, if he can, you know, had Tommy John surgery, if he can come back and he's got some filthy stuff. Actually, as I think about my fantasy baseball draft coming up, I'm going to circle that name, Denilson, Lamette, Chris Paddock, and then Joe Musgrove. That's a solid rotation. Drew Pomeranz in the bullpen as the closer. Mark Melanson. They've got some quality players on the mound and taken at bats. The crazy stat is funny thing is that um, that I read is they're not the winningest team in the postseason at Petco Park because of the bubble which is just wild and because the Padres haven't made the playoffs that often but mostly because of the bubble the Tampa Bay Rays have the most postseason wins in Petco Park because they played the AL division 
Series and the Championship Series at Petco Park. The Rays had seven postseason wins. And the reason I bring that up is because if the Padres are who we thought they were, take a line from Dennis Green, and I'm sure the Padres think they are that good of a team, they're going to have to take back that record. Or all of these offseason moves are for naught. They're going to have to own Petco Park. Definitely in the postseason, but in the regular season too. Regular season too. Alright, next team up. The San Francisco Gigantes. The Giants. The Padres are predicted to win 96 games. The Giants are predicted to win 75 and lose 87. The crazy thing is, might we be having a different conversation about the Giants if they made the playoffs? Who knows? They lost the tiebreaker due to the intra-divisional record to the Milwaukee Brewers, and that's how they missed the playoffs. Their best player, or maybe the most exciting player, is their leadoff hitter, Mike Yastrzemski. Maybe nobody else in this lineup excites you. Alex Dickerson is showing promise, batting behind Yastrzemski. But it'll be interesting to see how the veteran players do this year. This may be the last year for Brandon Crawford, Buster Posey, Brandon Belt. This may be it for for those guys. as there is a team option on their contract. So maybe this is it. Or rather, uh, the Giants are turning over a new leaf. Kevin Gosman, he came into his own last year. Anthony DeSclafani, Logan Webb, Tyler Bede, Johnny Cueto is a rotation. Tyler Rogers is a closer. It'll be interesting to see how this team can come together. But I think this may be the um, beginning of the end. I don't know if it's necessarily rebuilding. But the Giants at plus 4,000. 
That's right, you heard that right, plus 4,000. So literally, you've got the Dodgers at minus 250, the Padres at plus 200, and the Giants at minus 4,000. That is a long, long, long shot to win the National League West. My guy, Justin Bohr, is headed to the Giants, so I will be rooting for them to see what they can do. That's definitely going to be fun for me to have a reason to root for Justin Bohr. It'll add some uh, life, so to speak, if he ends up playing. But overall, you just you know that realistically the the Giants are not necessarily going to uh, making any noise unless everything comes together. Everything must come together. And let's hope Justin Bohr is a part of that too. I'd like to see him back in Major League Baseball after playing for the Hashin Tigers last year. We'll see. Colorado Rockies, what are we going to see out of them? I don't know. Well, they're definitely going to need more offense. But I don't know if you could say it was an addition by subtraction to let Nolan Arenado go. He's now on the Cardinals. And I look at this team and it's like, okay, well, who do you have left on this roster? Trevor Story. And the crazy thing about Trevor Story is, yes, he is just, in my mind, at least just as exciting of a player, has a lot of talent, but you wonder if he was playing so well because he had Arenado. So without Arenado, will he actually be better or will he slide back? Now this is a contract year, so that's in some ways good news for the Rockies that he's going to be trying his best to get those numbers higher, get as big of a contract as he can. But the question is, if he sees Nolan, who pushed for a trade to go to a contender, will the story be for Trevor? Yeah, I want to leave too. Now last year, with runners in scoring position, Story and for that matter, Arenado weren't that good. They combined to hit 191. Story was 207, below the Mendoza line with runners in scoring position. Those numbers are going to have to go way up. Will Charlie Blackman have a 
better year. He started off great, but batting 500 for the first 17 games, and he fell off. Well, he's going to have to start off great, first and foremost, but he's going to have to kind of, you know, pick up the slack. A lot of these, I mean, the entire team's really got to pick up the slack for Arenado being gone. And I just don't know if they can do that. They're going to need their leadoff left fielder, Tapia, to have a big year. And their starting pitchers, Herman Marquez, Kyle Freeland, Antonio Sinzatella, Sinzatella, John Gray, and Austin Gomber. Yeah, you probably don't know any of those names. But you hope if you're a Rockies fan and if you're in the management that by the end of the season, maybe you do know those names because they are pitching lights out and keeping the Rockies, keeping the ball in the ballpark and the Rockies in games. Daniel Bard is a really good closer, but is yet to be seen what the bullpen will do. And if you want to take another long shot, yep, you can take the Rockies at plus 5,000. The plus 5,000. Last year, the Rockies were 26 and 34 on the season. 26 and 34. Not very good. Not very good. But I also think that is it better to not be good and rebuild? But be able to keep your core players. That's the key. Is having players that want to grow with you. And obviously, Orinato didn't want to. And we will see if Trevor Story wants to write a new chapter in his book for another team after this season if they don't win. That very well might be the case. Can we make the case for the Arizona Diamondbacks? To make a magical run in the National League East. Most likely not. They are at plus 5,000. They are officially, at least in my mind, retooling. But there's a good chance that they may have some good building blocks. And Kettle Marte, center fielder, leadoff, versatile switch hitter. Nick Ahmed at shortstop. David Peralta in left field. Madison Bumgarner, Gardner, Garner, excuse me, man. And Zach Galen kind of being the... uh, well, top two pitchers in their rotation, but 
this team could go as they go. Zach Galen started the season giving up three or fewer runs in his first 23 major league starts. He had a 2.42 ERA, but didn't have the run support. Which goes back to the lineup. You're going to need players like Christian Walker and Cole Calhoun who can hit the ball hard. Well, they're going to have to hit out of the park. They're going to hit it. They're going to have to get good hits with runners in scoring position. And maybe you'll see an outfielder in Tim LaCastro coming off the bench, who is arguably the fastest player in baseball. You're going to need to see him and the Rockies, excuse me, the Diamondbacks being aggressive. The Diamondbacks were second in National League with 70 stolen bases. They're going to have to not only find a way to utilize LeCastro, but they're going to have to be aggressive on the bases. And they were last year as well. And they're going to have to continue that. The irony... Well, I don't know if irony is the right word, but for a team that is not a sexy pick, they were 85 and 77 in 2019. 2019. This team was 25 and 35 in the bubble. But I wonder if that was because of the bubble. That maybe if you look at what they did the year before that, I know that was with Zach Grinky, if I remember. But at 85 and 77, there were only one, two, three, four, five National League teams that had a better record than them. Maybe that doesn't mean much. But they have Joaquin Soria as a closer. Maybe they could end up competing for a playoff spot. Maybe not division winner. But maybe that's the type of team that you could say, okay, maybe I'll take the Diamondbacks at plus 1,000 to make the playoffs. Maybe you take that. Why not? Why not? And maybe that's actually where I should say, hey, look at that as a good value pick. No. When I recap the National League West, yeah, Dodgers are the favorite. And the Padres, no, it's not. he's not a sleeper, but... In my mind, I wouldn't say there is a sleeper. There is no sleeper. In my mind. I think, because I don't consider the Padres to be a sleeper. I think you can take the Padres. And that would be a good pick. So, there you have it. Dodgers are the favorite. But don't count out the Padres. I think they've got a shot.
All right, coming up next, we're going to look at college basketball and the madness that is the NCAA tournament. I'm going to give my pick for various predictions. Could make it to the Final Four. Who could win it all? And my best upset pick that's coming up on Just for Sport. Okay. We've got the college basketball championship starting on Thursday. And I'm really excited. You got basketball from, well, coverage starts at 11 o'clock all the way up until, well, really like midnight. It's going to be exciting. And I am looking forward to watching not just this tournament as we always do every year. You know, it's one of the more exciting times. Everybody's got their brackets. You know, picking a winner. You know, some confidence pools are fun. If you can guess that upset, that 12-5 upset. 16 ones. Only happened once, but that was exciting. But I got some picks here. And we're going to do making it to the Elite Eight, Final Four, and the championship winner. I just wanted to pick a couple of long shots that I think... I really was considering to make it to the Elite Eight. And the reason why I'm only doing long shots is, you know, a lot of times, you know, most of the favorites end up, you know, maybe there's only one team that you didn't expect to be there that's in that Elite Eight. And the crazy thing is, of course, well, being from the DMV area, I was really excited about what the Georgetown Hoyas did in winning the Big East Tournament. MSG forgetting who Patrick Ewing is, accosting him every time he was walking around Madison Square Garden, even though you could clearly see his jersey in the rafters. How can you forget his face? Well, maybe some of the younger people who are working there for, don't know who he is. But the Georgetown Hoyers are plus 1,500 to make it to the Elite Eight. I don't know. But they are making a magical run that no one saw coming. Come on. None of you saw that. I like the Oklahoma State Cowboys at plus 400. There's some value there. That's a good one. I mean, some of the... I mean, granted, I thought Michigan really messed up that last play. That last play versus uh, Ohio State. That could have put them in the Big Ten Championship. But, I mean, like a team like that at plus 110. Okay, yeah, I think they're going to make it. Teams that don't win their conference championship that aren't a team like a Michigan who all through the season they were one of the best teams I don't know if they could turn it around even if they were the favorites in their conference Michigan State at plus 1500 obviously didn't win the conference championship barely got in but that could be a good first round matchup if they can 
win their uh, their uh, play-in game. Michigan State, I think we all know them as a a top-notch basketball program that simply cannot be counted out. You just you just can't. And so if you are trying to come up with a team that you think could make a magical run, that's the kind of team that I would say, okay, even if when you don't think they're good, they can beat UCLA and then go up against BYU. That could be a tough one. But I could see them getting to the Elite Eight. It's a long shot though, right? I'm talking long shots. But they're not that long at 1,500. Maryland Terrapins, no. Florida Gators, plus 1,100. Is their bracket good enough that they could possibly, or shall I say, uh, easy enough that they can make a run? They've got Virginia Tech, and then they would play Ohio State and Oral Roberts. Then they may play a Texas Tech, Utah State, Arkansas, or Colgate. So it'll probably be a Texas Tech or Arkansas. I think Ohio State in some ways got, they're good. They are good. They are good. Uh, Maybe not for Florida. Maybe not. All right, so then let's look at who we think could make the final four. I think Gonzaga is one at minus 230. I think Baylor will be the second team at minus 134. And the funny thing is I really like Illinois at plus 150. I really like Illinois and I like their bracket. Like if you look at the teams in their bracket, there isn't one team that I look and say, ooh, they're going to have a tough time. They've got, if they can get past Oklahoma State in the Sweet 16, I think that might be their toughest game. I really do. So that's three teams right there. The key is Michigan. What happened to Michigan? You know, Jawan Howard getting ejected from the game against Maryland. You know, the way that they they should have dominated Ohio State and they couldn't. And I know they weren't 100% healthy. But I don't know if that was it. I don't know if that was it. When I look at this bracket, well, the funny thing, funny thing is I see a Florida State here, but I also was disappointed because in the ACC without Duke and North Carolina to contend with, how did Florida State not win the ACC? So I don't know if they have enough. I love Scotty Barnes. But I don't know if they have enough. I think this bracket is tough. Alabama's a tough win. Texas is a tough win. 
I think this Michigan bracket may be the toughest bracket in the entire tournament. So I just don't know if I can pick Michigan. And if you're not picking Michigan, you could say, okay, you could take Alabama at plus 450. You could take Florida State, as I mentioned. You can get them at plus 900. Maybe one of those two teams. And the other one, Texas, at plus 700. And just the way they played, I don't, ah, boy. I think I might have to take Alabama there at plus 450. I mean, obviously, if you're trying to get some of these odds, you want to do it before Thursday's game. I think I may go with Alabama. All right, now to win it all. I think this is Gonzaga's year. They're at plus 205. They're the favorite to win the college basketball championship. I think they are the favorite. The top five are Gonzaga at plus 205, Baylor plus 500, Illinois plus 700. I do like the way Illinois played. Michigan at plus 800, Iowa at plus 1700. Now you got Luca Garza, but the mm, I don't know. My final is Gonzaga, Illinois. And I think Illinois has the team to beat Gonzaga. So I would say my favorite is Gonzaga plus 205, but my sleeper is Illinois at plus 700. And you know what's sad is that's probably in some way due to the fact that they were the last team that you saw win. You can also pick NCAA tournament specials and pick winning conference. So you could take the Big Ten at plus 105. So there's some options there to take the conference. And you can also do winning state. You take Illinois at plus 600. That's fun. If you think Gonzaga's going to win, you could take Washington at plus 205. That's kind of neat too. But those are my options. All right, those are my picks for NCAA tournament. Now I got to go and fill out some brackets. You know, going through this process kind of uh, helps me figure out the picks I want to do. I'd be curious if you're going to do one bracket for all of your picks or do different brackets. However the wind blows, you decide what team you're going to pick to win it all. That's how I kind of do. Because you get too caught up in your head and you're looking at this uh, review of a team and looking at predictions of a computer that's telling you which team they think is better. Eh. Sometimes it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. All right. I hope that this podcast, Just for Sport, has been worth it with me, Jamoke, that uh, you've enjoyed over the last six episodes, including this one, to talk about my division predictions in Major League Baseball. And then a little NCAA College Basketball Championship. I wish you the best of luck. Obviously, the winner.
winners of the college basketball championship will be well before my picks for Major League Baseball, but I wish you luck there too. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, please share, leave a re- review. If you don't subscribe, please subscribe to Just for Sport. Go have some fun on Thursday as I'm watching the games. We'll get back into a little bit of NBA, but then also talk about my picks to win the World Series. That's coming up on the next Just for Sport. Ciao for now.